0: What's up, everybody? My name is Brandon McCall. I'm also known as C, and this is Nice Minds. I'm with a very, very special guest today, Nate Anderson. How you doing, my dude? I'm doing all
1: right. I really am. Um, weather's kind of crap, but that's March in Minnesota.
0: The spring months are, are really hard for me. I mean, I feel like my, my birthday is, in, is April 21st, so I feel like I don't really... Uh, my mood doesn't change until after my birthday. And then it just goes to shit after October for that six months. I'm good. Then the next six months is just horrible. But, um, dude, I'm glad to have you on today, man.
1: Yeah, I know. I actually reached out. It was a hot minute ago.
0: Yeah. So I, I've known you for probably like, I'm almost a decade probably at this point, because I used to work with your wife, Sarah, actually. You did. Yep. And, uh, we used to work at the community center together in Maple Grove. And, uh, At the time you were just dating. um, And I remember her saying, I got to connect you with my boyfriend. He's really into music, too. I feel like you guys would really click and she would always bring you up and stuff. And then we finally got connected and and, um, we just kind of stayed in contact over the years. And you've just been somebody who I've uh, really admired and you've been super supportive of me. And um, we just had like a mutual admiration for each other, I feel like
1: right absolutely and and i i want to think that like even prior to my wife introducing us like i feel like you and i ran in some parallel circles at least in like the local hip-hop scene probably like like i was really big into lunatics back in the day so like mc oh, Rents and yeah, professor fresh and ruthless and plc yep um it's fun i still run into uh john dirty dubs from plc at a lot of local punk shows oh crazy yeah so i was real big into lunatics in the mid-2000s i have a professor fresh tattoo um, damn and I... <laughs> that's dedication bro <laughs> so every time uh it's a it's a running joke like because i don't ever go out um and i don't do like the downtown bar scene but i al comes up professor fresh uh comes up every couple of months and performs at a bar in saint cloud so it's like a running joke the only time i ever go out is when al is in town
0: that's dope
1: and then there's a lot of, there's a lot of times i don't even stick around for a set because he plays after midnight and i'm an old man and i go to bed fucking early but i'll pop over to the bar and say hi and we'll catch up and stuff like that so so yeah we've had that connection i didn't know if we like just the minneapolis hip-hop scene in general
0: i bet we were at the same shows then and i bet i i, I bet we met each other like briefly or something because i mean i was i was doing shows with uh I definitely did shows with PLC. I mean, I think we both opened for Tech Nine together. Okay. At the foundation, um, back in like oh seven or something like that. Um, so I mean, and and rents I I know fairly well too. Um, and yeah, just all those guys. Uh, it's crazy because uh, do you know Fat C? Oh yeah. Yep. 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 He was from
1: Corey was from south of the metro, if I remember correctly. Yep. I've never I've never met. I- I've had to have met him at a lunatic show, but I don't think I've ever, like, chilled.
0: Oh, okay. Or, like,
1: ever gotten to have a conversation. He did a really good cover, or, a, like, a he, he he rapped over a Biggie beat for, like, a 420 on MySpace way back in the day. And, when he pulled it from his MySpace, and I was never, ever able to hear it again. But he fucking killed it. If you can get a hold of him and let him know I would like to hear that again, that would be much appreciated.
0: Because the reason why I brought that up is because I am currently working on his new project as a recording engineer, so that's okay. why I asked if you knew him. Uh, so yeah, every every two weeks I, I meet up with him and we record in the studio for the last like few weeks.
1: That's super dope. I, I'd like to hear. I can't wait to hear that project because Corey always had bad rhymes. He really did.
0: He's really fucking good, man. I mean, I I don't like to pick favorites with clients, but I mean, like he he's right up there with with you know people that I've worked with. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's always just super like quick I mean like we book out four hours and he usually only needs like one or two and he'll get like two two songs done
1: that's cool yeah yeah I'm, I'm excited to hear that because I haven't heard music from him since fuck way back in the myspace days that's how far back some of this music goes you know yeah
0: I, I mean I think I I met him Cause, Cause, I mean, he was rolling in, in those circles and stuff, and I met him probably like 06, 07. Okay, that's a, yeah, that's right about the time I got
1: into lunatics was probably at oh six, oh seven.
0: We had to have seen each other. That's crazy.
1: Right. That's crazy.
0: So that leads me to my next question. So, like, I know you've been in like you were you sent me like a link to like your you were in a punk band, right?
1: I was. Yeah. This was uh, early early to mid two thousands. Um, it was a couple of cats. I went to high school with, uh, the singer guitar player was my best friend from high school, uh, taught him to play guitar in his dad's, uh, shed, uh, barn. Actually, we, we, we grew up in the country. Um, so I remember like practicing and recording videos of ourselves, like playing covers and lip sync into punk rock in the late, early to late nineties. And we kinda, we, yeah, we really took it serious following. Um, getting out of high school, you know, these are cats I'd played with all through high school. Um, and we had like a really good moment. um like you had listened to that album that was self-funded uh recorded at an old label called uh, fuck it was over. I want to say it was over by like the East Bank Atomic K. does that ring a bell? Maybe it was a little further down university. Yeah, 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 I um screaming monkey Boner like this weird band from South metro had recorded there um but yeah that was completely self-funded um thousand copies pressed um played a bunch of shows we were really big in San cloud actually it's funny i live up here now uh played warp tour um we've set up a three-week tour all on our own through myspace um out to southern california through colorado new mexico arizona and back but yeah it was a really cool point in life that was that was when it was i would almost say it was easier to blow up well, I don't know cuz we're we're fighting TikTok now, but like back then MySpace was an incredible platform.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I sold so many beats on MySpace, bro. I mean, and I I stopped selling beats when MySpace like, you know, st- stopped being a thing. I mean, I and I was able to like network with like huge fucking people. Like I met like I met Modsun before he blew up. I met this dude Kyle Lucas, um who was signed to uh, um, Big Boy's record label for a while. And I was like, I remember back in the day, I was talking to Greaves on there and like I was just like networking like hell with like dudes when they were like big dudes who were like just starting out or like just starting to become popping.
1: Yeah, it was, it was an incredible like revolution. Like, yeah, I mean, back in the day, we had Reverb Nation and SoundCloud and, um, you know, the band camp is the new Reverb Nation or sound click for anybody who ever stole beats (laughs) but yeah so like like i said we set up a three-week tour by ourselves on MySpace, just literally looking up the cities we wanted to go to um reaching out to bands in this kind of the same genre that we were reaching out to venues and there wasn't a one night that we didn't play on that tour i mean you know you might have five people but we played there were a couple of shows we were playing a couple of hundred um but so that's that's really what i grew up on like i have a strong love for hip-hop now but i am first and foremost a punk rocker uh started playing guitar when i was 12 you know my first band i was 14 playing shows um this is all out in southwestern minnesota these these tiny little towns we were playing in barns, um and then yeah post high school kind of started taking that serious and took off and had a really good run at it you know um but like all good things came to an end.
0: I listened to the record that you sent me and I was like, I'm not a huge punk fan, but like I know when it's good. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty impressive. So I like, I dug it, man. I dug what I heard.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, we put out a lot of good music as a three piece. You know, there wasn't, I mean, shout, I want to say his name was Carl, was the guy that ran Atomic K and he did an incredible job with that record. He really did. So. But yeah, so that was, that was like my first foray into like the creative world. But my, 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 my toes go as, you know, as far back as like middle school, high school designing websites. We were really big into HTML in the mid nineties.
0: Yep. I, I had a little dabble in HTML <laughs> as well. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Getting into, gra- uh, you know, graphic design in like ninth, 10th grade. Cause I graduated in 2000. So like computers were even having a computer at home back then was still sort of a big deal dial up. Yeah, I was dabbling into that even middle school, high school. So and like nowadays um, I've I've never taken anything professionally on any sort of medium that I am created in or like good at. Like I can do Adobe After Effects, I can Photoshop, I can video edit it. Um, I've I've done all of that st- for any creative projects I've ever engaged in. I've done my own graphics and animations you know, but yeah. So I've always prided myself on that piece. Like, um, like I had a, I had a successful YouTube channel and that's, you know, we can get into that later when we talk about pandemic stuff, but, uh, all of the the video editing was done by us. I've I'm self-taught on all of those things. I, I did, I would never say recording of hip hop, like in any sort of professional level, but you know, a USB microphone and an old copy of Adobe edition. I've, I have friends that have rapped. um, you know over the years and just getting bored drunk at parties and yeah but it, i actually fun fact there's a small radio station in marshall minnesota called kkck and my buddy skrilla and i whipped out a track one afternoon and i edited it mixed it and i walked it over to the radio station and hand delivered a copy of it and they played it that saturday night at the end of their hip-hop night at like saturday at like 12 o'clock
0: midnight that had to have been just a amazing feeling that's crazy
1: here's where it gets really good we were on our way home from a party and i was telling my wife girlfriend at the time that i had a song on the radio and she's like you're full of shit you're fucking lying and as we're driving home they played our song literally like 10 minutes later and like all right here to run out the night it's nate Diz and Skrilla." and i just looked deader in her face and i laughed at her and said i fucking told you i don't have any reason to lie about that kind of shit
0: that's crazy. So, I mean, how many times did they end up? Was it in, like, rotation then for a little while?
1: They probably played it a couple of weekends. You know, it was like a Saturday night party mix. Any flavor of hip-hop, really, kind of thing. But I, I never followed it after that. I just was cool enough to say I walked a song I had just recorded down to the radio station, and they played it.
0: That's super dope. That's, that's super cool. Um, yeah, and then I know uh, in your professional life, because you just told me uh, you're a therapist.
1: I am um, much <laughs> tattooed, foul mouthed. Um, it, it's for some reason a lot of people are surprised by it. I still am myself. Um, I, yeah, I've been a therapist for about three and a half years. I went back to school in my 30s. Um, didn't know I was going to even ever go back to school and grinded out a master's degree in uh, psychology.
0: Wow. That's what's up, man. I mean, so the, the, this is recent within the last decade then.
1: 10 years because I moved to St. Cloud in April of 2012. Um, I actually moved up here uh coming out of treatment. I, I sobered up in 2012.
0: Congrats, man. That's awesome. Thank you.
1: Yep. Um, didn't didn't have much of a choice in the matter. It was either go to prison or try something different. So I tried something different and ended up with a master's degree.
0: Good for you, man.
1: I had somebody finally push me and be like, Why don't you go back to school? And I was like, That's a pipe dream, like figuratively. Mm-hmm. And uh And she goes, you know, I got past student loan debt and And she just looked me dead in my face and said, all you have are excuses. And I was like, damn, you're right. And yeah, at age 30, I put myself into college. I navigated all that stuff myself, student loans, getting loans out of default, into deferment, applying to school, signing up, um, went to school. It's actually kind of a crazy story. The day I graduated from the halfway house I was at was the day I started college. Wow. I graduated. I graduated from the halfway house at 815 in the morning and I had class at
0: nine. That's amazing. That's crazy.
1: And I was in school for the next seven and a half years grinding out a master's degree.
0: Wow. So you did like your full like bachelor's into your master's like Uh in in your 30s?
1: Yep. No breaks. Wow, Not even summers. I never had a summer off. I took classes every summer. too.
0: Wow. For seven years straight.
1: June, 2012 to August, 2019.
0: Wow. Super recent. Congrats, man. That's crazy. So I'm guessing that uh, the reason why you ended up doing that was because of all the struggles you probably had with mental health, right?
1: This is something we sit around the office and talk about all the time. It's like, why are we therapists? Right. My answer is money and glory. Um, now obviously that's a facetious answer Mm -hmm. but it's 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 literally uh, you just become one Um, yes my struggles can help aid in that especially letting people know that they're not alone and you can come out on the other side Mm -hmm. but even prior to that like I was always I don't want to say attracted to but like I was always like a champion and an advocate for the disenfranchised. Like, thinking back to high school, I hung out with the nerds and the theater geeks. Same. And and when kids were partying, I, this is a, a fucking fact. We started a Dungeons & Dragons campaign the summer before 11th grade, and we're still playing it after we graduated high school. And that's almost every weekend, all weekend for two years. Those are the guys that I grinded out high school with. Hell yeah. So I was always... An advocate in like a kind of I don't drawn to like those that wouldn't stand up for themselves or yep. um, had no real place to fit in because I, I I had that same struggle I moved from the burbs to the country you know and I was just like skateboarder kid who moved out from Maple Plain went to school in Orono um, which fuck Orono for real yeah. Um, <laughs> Those kids were ruthless back then and probably yeah. still probably still are. And, and when I moved to Redwood Falls, Minnesota, which is still home, I was the only kid who skated. I dyed my hair green first day, seventh grade, you know, at 12 years old, I, I, I moved there and said, I'm going to be as different as I can be and not care what anybody thinks about me because they can, then they can't hurt me. That's awesome. But is that healthy like that defense now now i'm moving into like therapy piece but like that defense mechanism at that young of an age Mm -hmm. does it stunt growth it's hard to say yeah do i think that it did i think in some ways it was detrimental to my my own overall development you know a lot of judgment a lot of preconceived notions about people a lot of resentment for those that for no other reason than like my parents didn't have money decided that i was a second class citizen but so so in, in forming that shell, um, I, I, I was a sore thumb in high school. I stuck out like a motherfucker um, yeah. and, and, and never cared, you know, and eventually other kids gravitated toward that. That was one thing I told myself early on that I was going to be who I wanted to be, irregardless of where and what I was doing. And I still carry that to this day. Um, even as, even as a professional, the best thing that I can bring to a therapeutic relationship is who I am as a person. And that's kind and caring, empathetic and understanding. And if you truly want it, I can help you change your life.
0: That's amazing. Sorry for that soapbox, but. Well, no, I mean, the story you told, I mean, I really resonated with it and related to it. And, uh, I mean, I feel like, I feel like I really did, you you know, the, the reason why I started this podcast was to talk to creatives and hopefully dive into mental health. And I I feel like I have um, done myself a disservice a lot of times where we haven't quite made it there in certain episodes. Like, we haven't really dived into the, the mental health stuff as much as I've wanted to. So right. talking about this in any capacity, especially to somebody who is a therapist, I mean it's a dream come true for me. I mean, for this podcast. <laughs>
1: and, it's, it, and, and, and that was all kind of happenstance, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I actually dropped like four F-bombs in my grad school interview. Amazing. And they still, they they still let me in, you know, um, not that, not that I should be proud of that. Right. But
0: you were able to be yourself though.
1: Exactly. And that's what they recognized was that authenticity. And even after the fact they hired me as a graduate assistant for two years. So paid me to get my degree. Um, but in having a conversation with one of my professors, he told me, you know, one day over lunch, um, and because grad school is a really different relationship with your professors, it's, it's a lot more into one-on-one individualized, but he, he told me dead to my face. He said, I'd rather have you than some perfect 4.0 student who's never had any life experience for sure. And, and it's in that, in that it's a very humbling moment. Yeah. That's the other way that I approach therapy is, is I'm lucky to be able to do what I do. Absolutely. It's somebody took multiple people took a chance on me because they saw something and, and allowed me an opportunity. I never thought that I would ever have. Um, so it's a very, it's a very humbling. So that's why I'm a therapist because somebody thought you'd be good at a master's program. Um, not that I had that drive, but so yeah, that's kind of that in a nutshell, but yeah, being me, forever and always god that sounds terrible um and just yeah being coming a therapist kind of just fell on my lap
0: I've struggled with um mental health since I was you know a kid um I mean I was like until as a therapist tell me if this makes any sense at one point in middle school I was prescribed to Paxil and Adderall at the same time doesn't that sound like a fucked up combination?
1: So I'm going to first preface that with I am not an expert on meds, nor do I ever really have an opinion on meds, even as a professional. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a hard boundary that I have to keep. And that's even something that I keep with clients. If they want to talk to me about medication, are you taking it? If not, Why? And if you have anything else, you need to talk to your med provider. So
0: that makes sense.
1: But aside from that, I know you probably grew up in an era where getting prescribed ADHD meds was more common. Oh, look, he's hyperactive. Let's put him on amphetamines. Yeah. Oh, you know, thinking late nineties, mid to early two thousands. So, have you ever been formally diagnosed with ADHD?
0: Well, ADD, but yes, uh, I I didn't have the the H part of it. I wasn't hyper. It, it was it was okay strictly for the paying attention factor. But I mean. I mean I think I, 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 I want to get a hold of my old medical records because I I'm pretty sure I was diagnosed with ADD depression and anxiety as a middle schooler. Right. And I feel like I mean maybe it's it's common, but like back then I, I feel like that like that that early, catching it that early, it was kind of crazy. But uh, I I say all that to say that like I've never quite found the right uh treatment for it mm-hmm. um in my 37 years of life um i i have been you know on different medications i've tried going to see counselors and different things like that but i've never found anything that has stuck so i I, was, I would say all that to say that like i would much rather go to somebody like you who has um a lot of life experience who you know is non-judgmental and like you said like like you know I other than, like, an Ivy League, you know, like, stuck-up, you know, person or whatever that's, you know, probably is gonna, like, act non-judgmental, but is probably sitting there judging you to death, you know? Like, uh-huh. I would much rather go to somebody real who's who's seen some shit like you, you know? And the reason that I,
1: I'm really non-judgmental is because there was a long period of time where my shit stunk. Like, I, like, I, I came, and I was, I was a, fucking garbage human being for many years of my life um and that's that's all through the throes of addiction so i am never one to think that i am for one ever better than anybody um it's weird because like people will tell me i have some narcissistic tendencies or like personality traits but it's more like just kind of my shtick i guess um you know there's even like a running joke around the office that's just nate you know, like, cause we, we, you know, it's, I work in a, it's, it's a dark place. You know, when I, when I think about some of the stuff that just comes through my office, um, you know, there's, we, we do psychiatry, addiction, kids, mental health, uh, adult mental health, um, group treatment. So there's a lot of people that are coming through the doors of where I work. Um, so, and there's a lot of dark stuff that comes through those doors. So I am the least I'm the last person to think that I am better than anybody. And again, it goes back to that humility piece, right? I was an addict with some shitty tattoos and somebody said, you know what, those tattoos don't matter. What matters is your heart and your drive and and we're going to give you that opportunity. So it's, it's again, who am I to judge somebody? And the other thing that I really try to stress as a professional and it's, it's hard is not to compare yourself to anyone else. Yeah. Don't, you know, like I, you know, I, I will have clients sit in my office and say, you know, I have anxiety and this is how it impacts me. But like I saw, you know, I have, I have my home and my family and my job. Um, so really, you know, there are, there are people that are, that probably have it worse off than I do, or that are, that are less fortunate than I am. And I said, but where does that matter? Because your mental health is here on my couch. And so it doesn't matter what, what it who you are what or what you do when you walk through that door the fact that you're through my door indicates that there's a problem to me and that's something that we can work to resolve yeah and so it's 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 uh it's a theory of counseling called person-centered where we i believe that you're the you're the expert of your life i am not i'm just there to try to pull out new information or get you to see the things that you might not see or might not want to believe even though everybody else will tell you it's true right? Think about all those times that you have that self-doubt thinking, you know, is this worth my time? Am I, am I, am I putting out something that people are going to like? What if this is garbage? What if they hate me for it? And none of those things happen all the time because your anxiety catastrophizes. Yep. It's a, that's what it's called. You catastrophize and your brain is always going to worst case scenario. You know, that's, that's one of the things that I struggle with now, why I'm not currently in a creative space. Um, and, and and again, there, that, that's a whole nother crazy story in and of itself too. But so going back to your, you have to be non-judgmental. Yep. Because again, our shit don't stink. We we have our own mental health problems, mm-hmm. and 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 so that exacerbates our own mental health problems. So it becomes ever more important to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, and a lot of us aren't because we're caught up in that that Western grind. And those those ideals that we have to put everybody else's needs ahead of our own, especially given the clients that we work with. Yeah, you know, so um, I'm fortunate that I work for a company that's very supportive of of self care and of taking, you know, doing you and like this is the weirdest thing. Like, I if I'm not doing okay, I can walk into my boss's office, sit down, and be like, so. I'm not doing okay. Uh, You know, I hate my job and I have no happiness. And they're like, okay, so let's talk about this. You know, like they're therapists too. Now they're not engaged actively engaging in therapy, but it's almost expected that if I'm not doing okay, I'm supposed to share that stuff with them. Right. It's it it creates this weird dynamic in the workplace, but um, it's really one of the only ways I've made it through. You know, I'm, I'm still relatively a newer therapist, but you had like inexperience in a pandemic and all that plus my own mental health issues and life becomes pretty fucking tough.
0: I can't imagine adding that layer to it. I mean, you mentioned, uh, briefly, uh, like beating yourself up over like not being in a creative space. Do you want to elaborate on that?
1: So, um, and, and I know you had mentioned pre pre pre-show about getting into like the pandemic. So pre-pandemic, I had started my own podcast i had zero idea what i was doing i had no plan i just knew that i had a microphone and a buddy who liked to talk and the ability to record it that's all you need um yeah exactly i'm not gonna lie i'm sitting at a a fairly decent setup i've got three curved monitors in front of me
0: oh amazing i don't even have that (laughs) yeah
1: so i've got three inch 1440p gaming monitors spread so i've got a you know Well, at the time, a really nice high-end computer. She still holds her own. Um, So I've always had the technology to be able to do this and the know-how. So we had started a podcast with really no direction. And uh, just we, my buddy would come over and we'd kind of decide what we were going to talk about, like literally like three minutes before we would hit the record button. Literally no plan. Um, And so that steamrolled into starting a YouTube channel. I had already moderately established one, like 13, 14 years ago, or like when YouTube rolled out, I had signed up for an account, maybe like 300 subscribers. I would post a gaming video every now and then, um, long story short, we found a really niche community on YouTube and started to incredibly grow. Um, I remember celebrating a thousand subscribers over like six months and within another six months, you know, we were pushing eight to 9,000 subscribers.
0: That's impressive.
1: We had just gotten monetized. We were starting to grow on Patreon. Like we were in a position for this to really take off. Here's where the struggle became. We were moved to a point where we were putting out a video a day. Wow. And then as right as we started to get towards the pandemic, we were not only putting out seven videos a week, we were uploading two to three other videos of longer chunks of content that we were making. Wow. Um, and so we, we, we kind of had it down to a system where we would record like that week's worth of videos all in a single evening and then we could edit it, you know, throughout the week and upload it and have them ready to go. That makes sense. Yep. And we were, we were even at a point where when the pandemic hit and the original shelter in place came out, we had over six weeks worth of content uploaded, edited and ready to go. Oh, wow. Like we, we had turned this into a machine. The struggle became it started because my buddy had like no computer experience. So I was doing all the editing. We would record on Monday nights and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday nights, you know, I'd come down and I, I, the only thing I was really doing was editing and uploading. Um, And so it started to kind of take a strain on my relationship and my own mental health. Um, And then the pandemic hit. And so we, my wife and I wanted to take the shelter in place fairly seriously because Corona was new and nobody really knew
0: um, how
1: bad this was going to get. And so, uh, and, and again, I don't want to throw, um, throw shade at anybody, but there, there was a lot of tension that came with that. You know, my, my, my buddy wanted to come over and make videos and he, he worked in the restaurant industry and he was out of a job. Um, so we were, like, had nothing but free time. And because of the work that my wife and I do, we were, I don't know if being a therapist is essential, I guess. So, yep. um, I was never out of work, you know, they gave us the ability to work at home. Um, and I, at that time was doing strictly community-based work and all of my clients still wanted to see me in person. So I was still out every day driving and going to see people in their homes. Um, and it, and it led to a lot of friction. I feel that. And, uh, I, and, and, and I there was a, there was a couple of things that had happened. One, we, we hit 10,000 subscribers Two, they gave us three copyright strikes in a day. Jeez. We might've been doing like react. We were doing some reacting to some bootleg stuff um, and YouTube came in hard with the, Nope, you're done. And uh, so that was kind of like my out. I was like, you know what? I I wanted to step away. I, it had quit being fun, and that's why I had started it. Yep. Um. And that, that 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 like I that was my clean break. Um. And so there was a lot of tension in the end. And uh, my buddy had come over. I had cleaned out my basement. I gave him everything. I said, take it and go. I don't want. I don't want anything to do with it. Whatever we've created together, invested. It's yours. The name, the graphics, the logo. Take it and run. Um, Cause it almost cost a friendship, you know, like a 10 year friendship almost got thrown down the drain because of a wow. YouTube channel. And I wasn't going to let that happen. Um, so to this day, he, he is successful with it. And we still hang out on the regular. He's coming over tomorrow night to listen to vinyl. Um, and we still, yeah, we still maintain a great friendship. We just, Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just went to Batman last week.
0: Wow. That's, that's awesome. I, I thought you were going to say like, uh, I would never talked to him again. Like, and, you just realize that you couldn't do that together and you, you know, to save your friendship essentially.
1: Right. I'm, I'm too grown to let something like that come in the way. And to this yeah. day he's successful at it. Um, he's rebuilt the channel, um, and, and more all the love and success to him, you know, I've no ill will towards him whatsoever, but yeah, no, I wasn't, I had lost a friendship a few years before that over some dumb shit. And I w- wasn't about to let that happen again. And so yeah he was actually supposed to come over tonight to listen to finals like oh man i I would but i got to do this podcast so yep so we're doing it tomorrow night so yeah no had to salvage that friendship um but just realized it was it was a business decision it wasn't personal yeah so and, and and again my career was starting to move into a different direction so i needed to focus on that and you know we had uh the stress of like our wedding getting canceled because of the pandemic oh yeah you know, so all that bullshit. Dude, I was supposed to get married in Jamaica.
0: Damn.
1: <laughs> and the pandemic came and said, no, no, you're not.
0: Damn. So what was the date you were originally supposed to do it?
1: It was like August 2020.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, damn. So we were like
1: six months into the pandemic. So when I'm talking about struggling to like get back into the creative space, I've missed it. I have. I enjoy making content. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, shit, I used to stream on Twitch and I was a Twitch affiliate making money. And then I started taking graduate statistics and never went back. Yep. Um, so I gave up on that, you know, aspect of like creation and, um, you know, there's, it's probably harder now, but I, and I first signed up for Twitch in like 2015, if I had stuck with it, I could have been doing Twitch for a living.
0: It's crazy. I have so many of those stories, man. I mean, like I, I, I made sketch comedy with my friends from 95 until like, 2001 if we would have kept going for 10 years when when youtube we would have been fucking huge millionaires no doubt no doubt i have no doubt that if we would have kept going with that we would be fucking huge and like it's it's crazy how much like life and especially the pandemic you know can get in the way of creativity and and like passion when it comes to that stuff because i mean man I, i i really relate to that i mean I, I still, you know, do the podcast and and stuff like that, but it's a, it's been a fight for me to keep it, it going and stay consistent with it and balance life and everything. I mean, I had to like, you know, my, I, I took the pandemic very seriously as well. I mean, um, I was, I've been working at a group home, um, and my mom, um, had just gotten out of a cancer treatment in 2019 and I was, I was living with my parents. Um, so I was like going to work and trying to stay good for my mom. And, um, my girlfriend, uh, her brother is, uh, um, is a cancer survivor as well. And he has like one lung. So, you know, we were just being extra careful right, for our loved ones. And then, um, you know, when it comes to creativity, I mean, I put like, everything on hold when my mom got cancer and then when the pandemic hit i literally stopped having nice entertainment be a record label uh-huh. because of because of the pandemic because i you know i i couldn't like like it it got to a head when we were trying to do a cypher um song and we were trying to get like five people to agree on like time length and so my dj was like freaked out at me for not going to record him and like all this stuff and i'm like I'm sorry I can't fucking be everything to everybody right now. I just I have to like I have to let it go. Um and I actually haven't shared that part um on here but um but I really relate and then my mom passed um from from COVID, you right. know, and inevitably. And, I'm sorry to hear that, my man. Um thank you. I appreciate that. Um so I it's it's a struggle to like to stay focused on your dreams and your vision when like you have all this fucking life bullshit coming at you at all times so um i mean i i just commend you for like even you know staying consistent with your career and and you know knowing what your priorities are and um congrats on getting married you know thank you and finally making that happen man
1: yeah it it wasn't jamaica but it was still super nice but to get back into the creative space i and this is where it gets even weirder but i wanted to get back into youtube it's just me i have the ability to do everything myself i can do it at my own schedule um and i and i and i haven't found the motivation to do it the pandemic killed a lot of passions for a lot of people like i used to game like that was my thing like i was i was I streamed on twitch been playing games my whole life i build my own fucking gaming pcs i build my own keyboards um and i couldn't find anything recently in the last year or so to be like what what's something that i'm into that other people want to pretend that they care about me caring about if that makes sense right right you don't i mean yeah we watch youtube because there are stuff that interests us and then we watch youtube because there's bullshit we are sitting on the toilet and have time to fill but then i got into a pandemic hobby um
0: and i got into vinyl that's what's up
1: and i started started ordering vinyl and collecting vinyl as a form of self-care um
0: on the weekends
1: i don't do anything i sit in my kitchen and i listen to vinyl
0: that's amazing and i hang
1: out with my dog yep that has become my new hobby so for the past few months i've one been slowly chipping away at i have a really nice space over here to record youtube videos i have a bar. with lights and you know it's it's a it's this is where we used to record our you our youtube content so i've got space to do it i just don't have the motivation to fucking clean it damn literally if you look over here it's just like a dirty fucking shit show oh
0: yeah damn
1: i haven't even found the motivation to clean all of that yet but when i do and i'm kind of using your podcast as a platform to be like i can do creative stuff and find some motivation to fucking do it
0: use me as a guinea pig man and let me know if you need any any if you need any extra motivation i mean if you need like me to hit you up on a regular basis and just be like what are you doing today nate have you worked on anything much appreciated and i might use you on that my buddy who i used to make youtube
1: videos with hits me up once a week hey bro you clean the bar yet you gonna you start your channel oh yeah um so i mean he's he, you know that level of friendship that he even offered me to like, he got so successful. He rented out a studio in downtown St. Cloud offered me to let me to come use his studio to record videos. And I, so, um, so I've got the backers, but I will use you as motivation to actually clean and do something. And I, and I'm going to talk about vinyl. Like I, I have a love for, I have a love for a lot of music. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, Talk about like quality. I don't, I'm not an audiophile by any means. Like I couldn't tell you the difference between like a hundred dollar record player and a five hundred dollar record player, a thousand dollar record player. Maybe I could. I don't have one. So I don't have like, yeah. So I'm not gonna do like gear reviews or any shit like that. I have what I have, but you know, I'm thinking of like, you know, pick a, pick out, you know, a couple albums, do like an artist spotlight. Or, like, what I went and bought that week. Um, my favorite shops in the cities. Where to order vinyl. Um, that's been the biggest clusterfuck. That would be sweet. Thank you. Um, that is chasing. Like, when you when you know what albums that you want to get, like, the places that you can get them is fucking insane. Yeah. Like, there's at least, like, six or seven spots a day. Um, Reddit. There's discords for vinyl. Uh, there's old fo- there's an old forum I found if you're old enough you remember forums yeah like before social media you know? there's still a forum that's super active Facebook I'm in mean, probably like 13 different vinyl groups on Facebook so um, Discogs is another kind of like it's an it's a website where people can create uh, their collections you can like add in like your variant of the record and they give you a value and stuff like that um, so I, I want to translate that passion for vinyl into a passion of talking about it. Um but yeah, definitely not on like the gear side, but just more, yeah. you know, it, it, I'll probably run out of ideas for content super quick. But I've had the idea of starting, you know, not not necessarily like a full-on podcast, but interviewing other people in the vinyl community. There's a lot
0: of us. Yep.
1: There's a lot of vinyl and there's a lot of money in it, but there's a there's these low-key like underground raffle groups on Facebook where people put up 100 three, $400 record. It's like five, 10 bucks a spot you can throw in and maybe win this like super expensive record. It's super cool, but they're really tight knit closed communities because, um, obviously, you know, gambling on Facebook, you know, they've super frowned upon that stuff. So, but the communities exist and they're super cool, but yeah, so that's, that's where the creative space that I'm working towards currently is at, um, just haven't, you know, when you get home from like Mondays, I work thirteen hour days on Mondays doing therapy. Damn. It gets yeah, I'm there typically seven, seven thirty in the morning till eight o'clock at night.
0: So how many clients is that? Twelve to thirteen. Oh wow. So like what what an hour essentially?
1: Um, well I my, my day is split up. I run our I run a day program. Um so I do group therapy as well. Oh, okay. Um, and I do that from mon- on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays from nine to noon. Um, and so in group, I could have anywhere from one to 10 people in a three hour span and then go see seven other clients individually throughout the day.
0: Damn,
1: Um it, 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 They get long, but I get most of Thursdays off and typically only work half a day Fridays.
0: But that's taxing, man. You got to give yourself a break, man. I mean, like, I, I feel like I would be in the same boat as you if, if I had your job. I mean, that's, that's, that's heavy shit. I mean, you're dealing with people's issues all day long and you know listening to people and that's that's got to be exhausting man so I mean I would definitely give yourself some grace when it comes to your creative stuff and putting that to the side for a little bit
1: and that's why like I literally do nothing on my weekends like if I have to leave the house I get mad even still just like having the knowledge the ability the technology if you want to make it the time to create and you still can't do it
0: I can relate, man. I mean, because I, 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 mean, I do a bunch of stuff. I mean, I'm I'm working a day job and dealing with a bunch of personal issues, um, and uh, just a bunch of stuff that I'm juggling. But I mean, I my brother is hitting me up all the time about like, why aren't you heavily on TikTok yet? Why aren't you, you know, doing this? Because I should be creating tons of content on TikTok. I should be chopping up little clips of this podcast, and uh, you know, I should be putting out more music, putting out uh, more beats to, you know, sell. And like, cause I'm always creating, I mean, I'm always doing that shit, but like I I should be doing more to like show it and display it and make more content. And it's, it's, it's tough to juggle, man. I mean, with, with life stuff and all that stuff. I mean, especially, especially at our age, you know, especially in like late thirties, early forties, it it gets tough. But I mean, I feel like I, I know that you'll reach that point though. I mean, I think it's a great idea. I think, because cause the way you are about vinyl is how I am with uh, sample packs right because like I'll I'll like download you know new sample packs and I'll sit there and like I could spend a whole day just sorting through sounds and going through sounds and organizing my sample library and just all that stuff
1: one creating content and two like working on stuff like that seems like a real good way to focus your attention yep and you know I'm I'll never be in a position to like create content as a career. Maybe I will. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I feel like that's gotta be a scary fucking jump. Yeah. You know, I mean obviously you got people like Mr. Fruit and PewDiePie and MKBHD if on the tech side and any number of one of those you know those big channels like them dudes are making tens of millions of dollars a year yeah. uh um on unbox therapy but I I I'd like to see what it would take like I'd like to see analytics of like where I would need to be at to sustain YouTube as a career. I don't think I'd ever be in that kind of position.
0: It'd be really hard. But I mean, if, if, if you're passionate about it, I mean, you could do it, but I mean, it's hard right now for me to figure out how to grow this podcast. And, um, and cause I mean, I'm doing freelance work and like I said, working at the group home still and personal life, all that stuff. It's, 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 it gets hard, man. It, Mm -hmm. It gets hard to, to fully dive into the creative stuff i mean my my ultimate dream is to make a career and living out of it and i i i'm working on steps towards that but um it's a process man it's a it's it's not a i feel like it's not a linear process either it's it's super up and down
1: then you, you know you dig into like the new stuff like i don't give a fuck about tiktok i really don't i fucking loathe tiktok and I'll give you a scientific reason why in a minute, but, but spreading yourself too thin across all of those mediums, you know, cause right. You want to reach as many people as you can, yep. you know, you want your podcasts on Spotify and Podbean and Apple podcasts and TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you know, there's, there's, and especially like when you're doing it yourself. It's impossible, you know. think bigger channels have teams to do that shit for them. Yeah. Big content creators, they don't edit their own videos at this point. Maybe a couple do. I think. Are you familiar with MKBHD? Uh, no. Okay, crazy story. He first reviewed a laptop on his channel at 14 in like 2007. Um, like, close to 15 million subscribers. One of the most respected, like, biggest YouTubers on the fucking planet does tech. He records his YouTube videos with, like, $60,000 movie cameras just because he can. Wow. Like, go check out some MKBHD. Like, the, his production value is probably some of the best on YouTube, if not better than, like, professional. Wow. Yeah. I'll start it. We talked about people becoming millionaires. 2007 he reviewed a laptop. Oh shit. Um I have a a visitor here. <laughs> but it's it's impossible to get into all those mediums when you're a one-man show and you still have to dedicate time to editing and uploading and yeah. and and like promoting on the platforms that you already have. Yeah. Um this is Jax by the way. He's uh
0: Hey Jax. What 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 are those cats called again?
1: Sphinx. Sphinx. That's yep. right. Very ugly to some people but very 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 affectionate yeah but it's 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 impossible on your own to reach as many people as you should be able to right without sacrificing your own self-care yep you know i totally agree you you could spend an eight-hour day promoting for like what like one project you know yep um so like i said and then the other part of it for me was regrowing a youtube channel having found mm-hmm. that success that yeah. quick um and then having it yanked away and then re rebuilding and rebranding is difficult um so here's where it gets even i don't want to say worse but partly more motivation to want to get back to creating so we got three copyright strikes on our old youtube channel boom deleted you're done um, and that, that's like, that hurts, you know? Um, cause we had, I don't want to say we really put in work. YouTube did the work. We just put out videos. Well, we did the work a month ago. My old YouTube channel was reactivated. All of our old content was still there. I have a YouTube account with six and a half thousand subscribers just sitting there and I'm not doing a damn thing with it.
0: Yeah, bro. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> get, you gotta get to it, man.
1: Those are all people that subscribed to what we previously were putting out because of like they didn't come for the videos that we 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 were a reaction channel. I don't. Am I ashamed? Sure. Did it make? Did it grow a YouTube channel? Yeah, it's a niche market, but people watch this shit, so mm-hmm. you roll with it. But yeah, that's six and a half thousand people that subscribed to my channel, and I'll and I'll include our channel at the time because we were the ones that, that were on it. Yeah, that's 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 a there are people that will never see those numbers on YouTube Right. that put out content, you know, it's not a, in the grand scheme of YouTube, is it a ton of people? No, but that's a lot of people. That's more people than my hometown. Yeah. So, so that, that was kind of the other, it was the strangest thing. Like I got a bunch of emails about old copyright infringements. You know, you upload a video of a song, you know, YouTube claims it and you can't get the money for it. And I got like 60 of them one day and I was like, well, that, that's two years too fucking late. You know? So I started deleting them and then my buddy sends me a screenshot and said, dude, the old channel has been reactivated. And all of our videos were there. You guys didn't reactivate it. It was so strange, Brandon. Like I could like YouTube on my phone. Like I would try to sign into that account on the app and it wouldn't even let me use my Google account to access YouTube. Wow. They wiped it completely. And two years later, it just mysteriously reactivated.
0: That's insane. So in essence,
1: I gave myself my own platform.
0: Damn. But
1: I still don't have the motivation to put out a video. Mostly because I've been pussyfooting around on getting my graphics together. Yeah. Like for, for me, that's, a, that's something that I can't get through in my head is I can't put out content till I'm satisfied with the way that things are going
0: to look. That's what's like stopped me from even like, starting a podcast to begin with for a while because or you know for for all of 2020 because i i could have like right when the pandemic hit i could have i could have started it but i didn't start it until the end of 2020 so like it's 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 a thing with us us creatives where we ha- have to have it a particular certain way or we just don't want to do it and it's i think it's just like a mental thing that we got to get over and we got to just kind of accept that like we can't have everything be perfect
1: and that's what's strange is i'm not a perfectionist by any means Like, I'm not a neat freak. Like my, my, my house is lived in, you know, like it could be clean. Sure. But it's not, it's not filthy gross, Mm -hmm. but so I'm not like, because perfection shows up in different ways, right? Like, I know I'm not a perfect therapist. I know, like I have shortcomings and I'll always have learning to do. And same in my relationships, you know, like those are, those are all things that forever take personal growth and development. But when it comes to my graphics for a fucking YouTube channel, colors, you know, fonts, you know, design ideas. My
0: girlfriend's a graphic designer. So I totally know how that goes. Right.
1: So not only that, but then not once I come up with the idea for a fucking logo, then I got to spend probably a weekend, at least animating the fucker for an intro to a YouTube video. Cause you got to have the cool YouTube intro. Yep. So that's me spending time and researching and studying and, playing around in adobe after effects um and that shit can take hours and hours and hours yeah. and hours you know i uh i actually my master's program reached out to me a number a couple of years ago this i think it was a year or so after a year and a half after i would graduated to put together like a minute long video for uh, a conference that they were putting together and uh, i animated the entire thing in after effects from scratch I had no preconceived idea of what I was going to do and I in that minute long video I want to say I probably put like 12 to 13 hours of work into.
0: I bet that's crazy.
1: I was paid for my time, but when you think about setting goals, right? We'll dive back into mental health here. When you think about the larger goal, the larger goal becomes super overwhelming, right? I got to get graphics done, I got to th- write a script, I got to think of a topic, I got to clean my bar, I got to set up, you know, um other equipment so all these things run through our head right you know i got to do a b c d e f g h i j and k and it just becomes so overwhelming yep and and you don't know where to start and and i'm i'm working on cleaning the bar and i'm working on graphics and i'm working on ideas for future videos and 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 the easiest thing to do is just stop it i actually talked to my boss about this um who's fun fact my my boss and supervisor is the longest employed person in the office that I work in she's been there like 13 years um and she says why do you overwhelm yourself here's what you do pick up four things a night that you can throw away it takes you five seconds and I've been yep. just slowly doing that every time I walk by I just grab a couple of things that need to get thrown out and the bars kind of slowly 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 been cleaning it so yep so so yeah that's it's called smart goal setting right it's breaking it down into smaller more realistic chunks that are measurable and obtainable and timely. Yep. So I figure by the end of the weekend, I should have enough space cleared off where I can start to work on what a setup
0: is going to look like,
1: right? So just breaking your breaking down those bigger goals into smaller ones um, is what I've had. It's the shit that I teach people to do, but why can't I do it?
0: I struggle with that myself. I, I totally feel that i mean because my my to-do list and my idea list is a fucking mile long and if i were to just every day and and i do with certain things but um it's it's hard man when you got like a lot of goals and a lot of things you need to do it's hard to like kind of break it down into that chunk sometimes but that's really what it takes is just just fucking doing the work little by little
1: even then and sometimes it's hard even prioritizing those smaller chunks yep you know like what what's more important cleaning the bar coming up the logo
0: yeah but man, uh, you're an impressive dude, man. And thank you. I really appreciate you giving me the time. And, uh, I, I can't wait f- to see your podcast cause I, I, or and to hear it. Uh, cause I know that you're going to create something amazing, man. I know you're going to do it.
1: I'm going to do it. And that's kind of going to be my, my, it's going to, it's going to, now that we're coming out of winter, um, and I can spend more time outdoors, it'll probably give me more like appreciation for and focus. I know that sounds strange, um, but yeah, again, I, I, thank you for letting me join you and just kind of rambling for the last hour
0: plus. I actually got a lot of gems, man. I mean, in every episode I find myself, uh, just really, I mean, I, I love connecting with people, but I mean, I, I learn something on every episode from, from people and I really relate to different things that we talk about. So, I mean, then that's what it's, that's what it's all about for me. And that's what I hope that it's about for the listeners as well. And just
1: being human. Yep. Right. So yeah, again, I appreciate you guys um i do have a vinyl instagram uh it's instagram.com slash three three underscore point three um i just kind of vinyl shit post and pictures of my cats and my dog but yeah um brandon will have the links for the upcoming youtube channel under this and i'm excited to put out content and see if anybody cares
0: hell yeah man i know they will man thank you again man it was a pleasure
1: absolutely. The pleasure was mine. Have a good night, sir. You too, man.